Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal Podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 161 of the Ortho Eval Pal Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Marquis, and today we are going to be talking about common peroneal nerve palsy. We'll be following the path of the common peroneal nerve. We'll be talking about causes of common peroneal nerve palsy. We'll discuss the signs and symptoms, how to treat it depending on the severity, and so much more. But before we get started, I'd like to just take a moment to hear a word from our sponsors. A good night's sleep is what everybody needs. Fresh rest bedding will keep you comfortable all night. Our advanced textiles and weave wicks moisture and also regulates body temperature. This design, coupled with our all-natural organic antimicrobial, eliminates 99.9% of odor-causing bacteria, as well as dust mites, which are an allergen to many. Because our bedding stays fresh longer, it is eco-friendly, as it only requires washing once a month on average. This bedding is also known for its incredible softness. Our antimicrobial is all-natural and organic. No metals, waxes, chemicals, or nanos. Our sheets will never leach onto or into your skin ever. These sheets are safe for your entire family. Fresh Rest is designed and engineered by Main Lee Technology Group, based in Wells, Maine, and our sheets are made for the USA. Fresh Rest Bedding is only available for purchase through our e-commerce website by visiting freshrestbedding.com. Once again, that's freshrestbedding.com. Welcome back, everyone. So for those of you who are new to OrthoEvalPal, I just wanted to give a brief rundown about who I am and why I do what I do. So I'm a physical therapist. Many people call me doctor uh, on YouTube and they send me emails and um, I am not a doctor. I have uh, my BS in physical therapy just because I received my degree a long time ago. So I'm really getting to be one of the older ones. Uh, I've been a therapist for uh, over 28 years and I'm really here to bring my experience to the table and help you feel more confident with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. Unfortunately, not everyone has the opportunity to have a mentor. So this is my little way of kind of giving back to the community of medical providers out there. And it doesn't matter if you're a PA, NP, PT, OT, chiropractor, athletic trainer, uh, anybody who wants to listen and wants to utilize some of this information, good for you and uh, I'm putting it out there for you. It also helps me fuel my physical therapy fire. You know, they talk about burnout in physical therapy and how it happens in 8, 10 years, whatever. Well, I got to about the 25-year mark and I just wanted to do a little something extra. Um, You know, so I started doing live seminars. I started doing some online coaching developed a growing YouTube channel, which recently has been really uh, exploding. So um, I have to thank all of you for watching and listening and making comments and giving us likes and applauding uh, on our YouTube channel. And uh, I really thank you and appreciate you for that. Uh, And I'm also an entrepreneur. I like uh, to wear several hats and we've developed some different products and I really do a ton of stuff and I could go on all day about the little things I do. I actually uh, was up at 3 o'clock uh, this morning uh, writing up some stuff and getting ready for a lot of OrthoEvalPal things. So if you want to know more about me and more about OrthoEvalPal, just go to our website, OrthoEvalPal.com and I have lots of information there from webinars to online coaching. So um, for those of you who don't know who I am and you're just jumping on with us, Welcome to Ortho Eval Pal. I really appreciate you um, starting to follow. Okay, 
Enough about me. Let's talk about peroneal nerve palsy. Now, this is not a common issue, but guess what? This happens all the time. Like, I was just kind of thinking about, ah, what am I going to do for topic this week? And you're not going to believe it. This guy comes into our office. We have this diagnosis of peroneal nerve palsy and foot drop, basically, was the diagnosis. And um, so I thought I would give you a little story and a little presentation, kind of a case scenario, and uh, then we'll dive a little deeper into this. So this gentleman comes in. He's 79 years old. He's very active. About four weeks ago, he and some friends were delivering some trailers, and uh, and he has kind of like a bunk in the back of his truck. So his uh, friends took the bunk in the back of the truck, and he decided he was going to sleep in the driver's seat with his back up against the door and his legs over the console, and um, he fell asleep. When he woke up, he had been rolled over onto one side, and when he uh, got up, his leg was really numb. He had a lot of tingling in his leg, lateral side of his leg, and over the dorsum of his foot. And uh, he noticed right away that he had probably put a little too much pressure on the lateral side near the proximal fibula. And right away he noticed that he had a foot drop. He couldn't lift his foot. He couldn't move his toes. He got out of the truck and he had, you know, a complete foot drop and kind of went into panic mode. And um, now he comes in and tells me that uh, his ankle is getting really sore and that he has sprained it several times uh, since this has happened. So let's keep all of this in mind as we go through some of the anatomy innervations and you know the function and we'll kind of chat about you know how do we take care of this guy. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the anatomy. So your, your sciatic nerve comes down the back of the leg and it splits off just superior to the popliteal space into the tibial nerve and the common peroneal nerve. Well, the tibial nerve continues down, and then that common peroneal nerve runs over the lateral head of the gastroc and around the proximal fibular head before diving deep into the leg. Now, it's a very superficial nerve, and it's very exposed, just like the ulnar nerve in the cubital tunnel. So I, I bring this up, especially with students and younger therapists, you know, who, who know that this nerve is close to the skin and quite exposed, but it can get irritated really easily. You can develop palsy by just putting a little bit of compression on it for a short period of time. And you can also develop a palsy from too uh, aggressively icing that area. So be careful when you're icing that cubital tunnel and that lateral uh, fibular region. So, you know, Let's talk a little bit about innervation now because why does he have this foot drop and why is he rolling his ankle? Well, that superior fibular nerve innervates the muscles in the lateral compartment of the leg. So they hit the peroneus longus and brevis. And these are the muscles that help to evert and plant our flex that foot a little bit. And so remember that because this may be why he is rolling his ankle. And then you have the deep peroneal nerve which innervates the muscles of the anterior compartment of the leg like the anterior tibialis, your extensor hallucis longus, and your extensor digitorum longus. So this is why people have a hard time extending those toes. They have a hard time extending the great toe and dorsiflexing the foot. Hence the, um, the foot drop when they ambulate. So in regards to sensation, you know, what is the sensory loss with somebody who has a common peroneal nerve palsy? And it is down the lateral side of the leg and over the dorsum of the foot. Now, when you see this presentation, and it's, it's kind of classic, but you need to make sure that you rule out other lookalikes. And we mentioned this in the last couple uh, podcasts. 
it's very important that you rule out a nerve root compression in the low back. So check the deep tendon reflexes. Those will not be altered with somebody who has a peroneal nerve palsy. But they will be altered if you have an L4 or an S1 nerve root compression. I like to do a straight leg raise test. And um, that will also help to identify if they have neural tension coming up from the low back. Now, I'm going to put a link to a really cool video that I did quite a while back where I had two patients. One had a nerve root compression in the back. The other one had a peroneal nerve palsy from a severe knee injury that he sustained. They look exactly alike. Now, the patients don't look exactly alike, but their presentations look exactly alike, and one can look just like the other. So please check out that video, and I think you're going to find that really cool to see how one can look like the other. Now, if there was no mechanism of injury, and this just kind of came on slowly and maybe progressively, you want to think of other things like possibly a tumor or you know a, a, a tethering of that peroneal nerve might have been an injury and there was some scar tissue that started to develop in that area. I've seen that before. And then you need to think of other things like, you know, ALS, MS, maybe even Parkinson's um, can give you some weakness or paresthesia presentations like this. So, you know, look at the patient as a whole, ask all of those other questions. Um, I do a Hoffman's test. I do a Lermite sign, I check for clonus, and I also will do a Babinski just to kind of check on this stuff. And I also look for hyperreflexia just to rule out some of those upper motor neuron lesion type problems. Now, one of the best ways to really hone in on this issue and, and where the compressive problem is, is to do an EMG or a nerve conduction velocity test, um, which can really help identify the source. You know, when I talk to people who do these tests, neurologists and physiatrists, they tell me that typically in that first three to four weeks, it's hard to really pinpoint. And it's better to let it go a little bit longer before doing the test so that the test is more accurate. So I don't really get excited uh, in the first couple of weeks. I try to treat this conservatively and see how they do. So how do you treat these things? Well, safety first, folks. Okay, I know we, we get all excited about, oh, we got to get this dorsiflexion back and we've got to do some mobility and we got to do gait training and all this stuff. But safety first. These people who get this, um, like this gentleman, he's very, very active, but he has sprained his ankle like three or four times in the last three weeks. And, uh, and it's because he's very, very active and the ankle is just rolling because he just has no strength there. So when I look at him today, he has some ATF ligament and CF ligament pain. Um, his ankle is swollen a little bit and very, very tender to touch. So you want to make sure that he is safe, that he doesn't catch that toe because people are going to have that foot drop and they're going to drag that toe. Maybe they're going upstairs, they catch the toe on the stair and end up falling forward. So let's think about that, okay, when we see the patient. So we want to make sure that their environment is conducive to this problem and that they're in a safer environment. Now, I know there's a lot of controversy about using an AFO or an ankle foot orthotic to assist the dorsiflexion because it may not allow the dorsiflexors to work as much and not activate and blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, remember, nerves are made of permanent cells. They take a long time to heal. So it's going to, you know, those nerves are going to heal when they're going to heal. The muscles are going to start to activate when the nerves allow the muscles to activate. So you need to be patient with this. But you also need to prevent trips and falls. 
Okay, so like in my patient's case, you know, he, he's developing these ankle sprains. So what do you do? I like to get into a dorsiflexion assist AFO, sometimes maybe even just a little lace-up brace for ankle stability just to prevent that rolling of the ankle uh, if, you know, if the rolling part is a bigger problem. But we are going to uh, put a, a, a carbon fiber AFO on this gentleman just to help get that toe up and cleared. Now there are different types of braces for different problems. Um, if somebody is really, really active and all they need is straight up dorsiflexion, you know, they can do really well with a small dictus brace. And um, I can throw a link in there if you want to see what that is. It's real easy to put on and it's really easy to use. And uh, But it's not going to give you a lot of that medial lateral ankle instability. Now you don't need to get excited and put like a Cadillac of braces on somebody early on, you know, because they may improve. They, they may get better and not need a $1,500 or $2,000 brace. So I like to go with something that's a little less expensive, easy to put on because I want compliance with the patient. I want them to be able to put this on easily and use it, okay? Therefore, they will be more active. Now, the other thing I take into consideration with people in this situation is I do some passive ankle dorsiflexion. Now, you remember what happens if, if the patient can't actively dorsiflex, that foot is plantar flexed all the time, the calf is going to start to shorten and the capsule around the ankle is also going to start to shorten on the posterior side and then it's going to get really stiff into dorsiflexion. So I like to start some ankle stretching right away. They can do some manual stretching with a sheet or a belt and just pull that foot back um, or they could even use a slant board to get some nice gentle stretching. So I think that it's important to maintain that mobility so that when they do start to get that active dorsiflexion, um, they're not hitting a big restriction on the back side. Now, we want to talk about stimulation, okay? So we definitely, how do we facilitate this muscle to start working or these muscles to start working? Well, I like to start with Russian stimulation or NMES. Now, oftentimes, if you have a peripheral nerve injury, using those two types of stimulation will not work. So you may have to go to a direct current stimulator. Uh, so if they don't, if they can't actively dorsiflex or, or get some dorsiflexion with the NMES or Russian then go to the DC and usually you can use a probe. You can hit all those uh, those uh, motor points that help to get the great toe extension and um, find the best points where you can put stim pads uh, on that leg. So um, I'm going to be doing both. I'm just waiting here for a DC stimulator to get here uh, from one of our other clinics. But we did try some Russian stimulation on this guy. And guess what? He was able to dorsiflex a little bit and his great toe was extending. But unfortunately, the muscles fatigue really quickly with... Uh, electrical stimulation so he started to get some carryover into his flexors so at that point you need to stop the other way you can try to facilitate the anterior tib or the extensor halysis to start working a little bit more is to do some facilitatory tapping so basically with your fingers you can tap over the muscle while they are trying to actively dorsiflex or extend the big toe and then we also use a fairly large vibrator that you can rub over don't chuckle now that you rub over the muscle and get that to start to activate a little bit so um, that seems to work really well so following this you know once we get the brace we want to start working on you know some gait training and some global leg strengthening so not just strengthening of the foot and ankle but we get the knee and the hamstrings involved we do multi-directional hip strengthening and um, you know if there is no increased 
uh, improvement, then I think it's important to get that EMG, maybe even an MRI of that proximal fibular region to see if there's some sort of a, a lesion there. We've seen people have surgery for uh, you know tumors in that area or scar tissue buildup, and they do really well with it. Um, so, but it's a matter of recognizing it and um, you know and not letting it go on too long. So there you have it, folks. A lot of information on common peroneal nerve palsy in a nutshell. Um, you know, thank you so much, first of all, for uh, my patient letting me talk about his situation here. And um, I'm even going to ask him if I can do a little video of his presentation so we can uh, get him on YouTube and uh, you could take a look at what this actually looks like. But make sure you check out the links in uh, the show notes today because I have some great videos there for you. And uh, again, Thank you to all my listeners for being there week after week and for engaging. Make sure you spread the word to anybody who is a medical provider looking to become more confident with their orthopedic evaluation and management skills. And um, again, folks, thank you so much for being there and have a great day. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there. 